What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunter's Quest podcast. It's good to be with you, and we got another really cool episode this week. Um, this one uh, is actually one of the first podcasts I ever recorded um, way back um, when I started this whole journey, um, but it's with a guy who you probably never heard of, but has completed one of the most epic feats of North American hunting, you know, and arguably even in the world. Um, he's done what they call an Alaskan ram slam, which means he has killed a Alaskan doll sheep ram on every mountain range in Alaska. But what makes it really impressive is he and his hunting partner have done this entire ram slam 100% walk-in, which means without the use of any aircraft uh, ATVs, boats, nothing. And some of these uh, hunts, like they'd literally be walking for like three days before they even get to the mountain range. So it's just an incredibly epic uh, feat, especially if you know anything about sheep country or Alaska. Um, it's very rugged. And uh, so his name is Scott Luber. And again, um, he's just, he's an awesome guy. He's a believer, um, you know, a family man, um, been in Alaska, I think 18 years now, and just one of those guys who's super humble, but probably one of the best hunters out there right now, but you've never heard of him. So um, super excited about sharing this episode with you guys. Again, uh, this is one of the first ones I ever recorded, so um, there's no video, it's audio only. Um, but there's a lot of great content in here and, uh, I do apologize if, you know, if anything is just kind of out of the ordinary or weird sounding, cause this is, like I said, one of the first ones I did, but it's a great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. And, um, I thought it was timely because uh, as this releases, it'll be kind of, uh, the start of, um, Alaskan caribou and doll sheep season usually starts about the second week of August. So um, those of you who are out there and maybe heading to Alaska this year, or maybe you're uh, going to try to head out next year, I hope this inspires you um, because uh, you know the seasons are just starting to kick off and uh, I'll be leaving for Alaska myself again here in about a week or two on August 20th. So really looking forward to it. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's just jump right in. Welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. I am your host, Hunter, and I'm here with my guest today, a guy named Scott Luber, who you may not have heard of, but who's actually accomplished one of the most epic feats in North American hunting, I would say maybe arguably the world. So how's it going, Scott? It's going good. Glad to join you. Looking <laughs> yeah, forward man. to this. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being here, man. So so yeah, we did, we caught up a little bit um, before we got recording, but um, so you're living in Anchorage right now, you said, right? Yeah, I live in Anchorage, been here 18 years now, oh, so wow, okay. I, I think I might be Alaskan. <laughs> I think you qualify. Where are you from originally? 
I moved up here from Nebraska. Uh, okay. Did college college back there, and we've got a family farm in North Central Nebraska that. Oh, nice. Still in the family, and. You make it down so, there yeah. often. Yeah, we go back every year for deer season. It's oh, okay. It's one of those like all the uncles and cousins and everybody shows up and it's like this reunion time and awesome. we shoot a pile of deer and <laughs> butcher them up we've got we've got like the meat shed it's like this one shed just dedicated to the week of deer season and oh nice we got the walk-in cooler and that's awesome yeah dude. it's a grand old time yeah that's we really get, fun, we get man. those we get those old school pictures of like all those deer hanging in one place yeah so that's it's, awesome it's pretty fun each year yeah, you can't beat the the family the family reunion style hunts, man. Not a, for sure. Yeah. So, well, uh, just a little for a little background. So, I, I, uh, as some of the listeners know, I did my first trip to Alaska uh, this year in 2020. It actually, was my first like backpacking hunt, which is kind of crazy that I had started off in Alaska. But um, as I was getting ready, I started just learning everything I could about backpack hunting about Alaska. And I stumbled ac- across this podcast called Alaska DIY. I think it's since defunct or hasn't been sh- running or anything, but, right. um, but yeah, I heard you on there, man. And like heard about this, this awesome Ram slam you guys did. And it was just like, wow. And then, but also I was kind of reading between the lines of some of the stuff you're saying. And I, I heard you mention like that you were in full-time ministry and I was like, Oh dude, this guy's a believer. So, um, so I, I was like, I really got to talk to this guy. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, man, I wanted to start off a little bit, um, just like some of your, some of your background. Um, I kind of want to go like chronologically, but, sure. um, starting with, I guess, like, you know, how you got saved and how you started hunting. All right. I don't know which um, one came first, but yeah, no, definitely getting saved. I mean, I grew up with some pretty incredible parents and was, uh, just got one of those really neat all American family stories. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my folks raised us to walk with Jesus when we were kids and, you know, asked Jesus into my heart, I guess, when I was like six years old and I've never deviated from that. It's, it's, uh, my faith is an integral part of my life. I'm, it's, it's, it's shaped who I am and where I'm going and it's shaping where, where my kids are going to awesome. go too. Yeah, man. What type of church um, did you grow up in? Just a Christian church, you know, non-denominational. Non-denominational. Okay. Yeah. So, nice. uh, in high school had a really cool youth pastor buddy who he was just starting out with his first youth pastor gig and through that influence decided I wanted to go to college and be a youth pastor afterwards. And so that's what I did. Uh, went back to, to this little Christian school in Nebraska, uh-huh. mainly because it was two hours from our farm and all I wanted to do was hunt deer. So <laughs> nice. that was, that was where I was going to school. It fit, fit my need. I could be up there every weekend. And, um, and then, yeah, my buddy, who had been my youth pastor as a kid moved to Alaska. And okay. while I was in the middle of college, he called and said, Hey, you want to come to Alaska and do an internship? Like, oh, yeah. Wow. Heck yeah, for sure. <laughs> so 
went up, ended up going up there for two summers and they hired me. The church did right out of, out of college. So oh, nice. moved up here and was that church yeah, in Fairbanks or in uh, Anchorage? In Anchorage. Yep. Okay, cool. So did you, um, did you start hunting as a, as a kid or as, you know, high schooler? Or... Oh yeah. No, we, I mean, as soon as we were old enough to hold a BB gun steady, we were <laughs> hunting the local population of chickadees and <laughs> yeah. sparrows. Sounds like me, man. Um, yep. And then, uh, yeah, you know, get a little older. We got, um, showed our responsibility. We could use the 410 and then the 22 and, you know, just kind of graduated up the firearm levels. Yeah, man. And dad was always great about taking us out for small game hunts. And then us, my brothers and cousins, we'd all be running around doing that. Uh, big game didn't start till I was 15. So when I was a kid, you had to be 15 before you could deer hunt in Nebraska. And okay. that was the only place on our radar. And um, yeah, totally fell in love with it started bow hunting in college nice and yeah when i moved, actually when i moved to alaska i remember getting up here and thinking like all right how long am i going to stick alaska out till i have to move back and get to my tree stand you know just <laughs> had, a, had a love for for bow hunting and all that time you could spend in the woods and then up here you know like you is where i did my first backcountry backpack style hunt and that was like the end of it. Like there was yeah. nothing to compare. It's like to a whole other world. And it absolutely is. You know, it's, we, we always describe it. It's like an expedition hunt, you know? Yeah. If really, if you want to be successful in Alaska, I mean, there's, there's definitely like, you could, you could go out and shoot something on a weekend if you're really lucky. Um, but you gotta, you really got to dedicate some time to it and, get back in there and um so yeah it was it was expedition hunts versus i'm just gonna sit in the tree stand for half right. a day or something you know yeah it's that whole other and, just level of adventure yeah and then kind of like the evolution of of all of that is you know just got so into backpack hunting everything that alaska had and then i we'd still all go back to nebraska every year for deer season with the family and now I'm, you know, sitting on a hill with my rifle and the deer coming through and it's, and it's, it's absolutely wonderful. But I remember at, at one point thinking, where's the adventure in this? <laughs> like, this is so like not going yeah. sheep hunting in Alaska or hiking across the tundra for caribou. And, um, but then or now, you know, years later, I've come back around to like, I really look forward to that mainly a lot, just as the, the family draw. Yeah, of course. But but it's, it's nice to go out and just sit and relax and shoot deer and oh, yeah. they're super tasty and, you know, fill the freezers with them. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll sure, never go ahead. I sure appreciate that hunt for what it is. And I mean, it still doesn't take anything away from backpack hunting. It's just, they're different worlds and different passions and. Absolutely. And you can't, you can't just stay on a backpack hunt for four months straight, you know, like it's just not realistic, but, right. um, be able to mix it in with, with deer hunting. I'll, like I said, I, I will never, you know, quit backcountry hunting now that I've discovered it. It's such an amazing new world, but at the same time, I'll always still love deer hunting. You know, it's I'll always fall back to it. Yep. Absolutely. 
Yeah, man. So what, what was your first hunt you did in Alaska? It was a spring black bear hunt. Okay. So, and that was, um, I got invited to go along with this guy who I'd heard about through and met through the church. Um, but he was, you know, I'd kind of set him up in my mind as like the solo sheep hunting king of Alaska, you know, this guy <laughs> that he did just, he hunted by himself and he went after sheep and that was his thing. And got invited to go tag along on a spring bear hunt with him and one of his buddies. And that really like kind of started our friendship. Nice. Um, and that, Is that the guy that, that was whole, your hunting partner from that point on. Yep. Exactly. What's his name? Steve Bethune. Okay, cool. I yep. thought, I thought about it too last minute. I was like, Oh man, I should have both of them on here, but I guess maybe, maybe another time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, um, he's, he's got some good takes. You could do him separately too. And, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be yeah. cool. We can link me up with him. But so did you guys get a bear on that first trip or how'd that go down? We did. I shot my first bear. Um, and man, I learned, I mean, it was, I borrowed all kinds of gear, backpack, tent, I mean, all this stuff and figured, figured it out, figured out what I need and don't need. And, um, we got a lot of really funny memories of like, man, that was just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's always fun to look back on where you started. Like, um, same thing. You know, I started. Well, you know, I started. Alaska was my first backpack hunt, but I did another like just weekend camping hunt with my cousin in in Virginia here. And um, yeah, we we made so many mistakes. That's actually the second episode. Uh, if you guys want to go back and check that out, but um, it is fun to see where you came from and um, and starting starting with someone who has some experience going with them yeah. is huge and starting, you know, start small. So you can, like you said, learn what systems work and that kind of thing, what gear you need, what you don't need. Is there like one, one thing that sticks out as like your first, your main takeaway from that first hunt? Uh, I learned, I really don't like a frame backpack. Oh really? So I like the, the internal frame stuff. Okay. Um, Cause I'd borrowed, a, it was a smaller frame backpack, but it still had the metal bars and man, that thing clanked and hung up on everything. Oh uh, yeah. And I've never worn one since. Nice. So, what kind of pack you use now? I would love the Kafaru backpacks. Okay. Uh, they're out of Boulder, Colorado. Oh yeah. And there's, we've used the stone glacier stuff as well. And it's top notch. Um, I think a lot of it just, Kafaru is what we started with. Yeah. So we talk like anytime we put our Kafaru backpack on, it's like we're strapping into home, you know? And, yeah. And you I just, you. so we're going to always compare everything against that where if we'd have started with something else, it'd maybe been a different story, but we love them. Yeah. And we, we put them through the rigors. You can put back yeah, through. Yeah. I, I invested in a nice pack. I went with a company called XO mountain gear. Have you heard of those? Yep. Yep. I, I, I love that thing. So, um, and I do want to talk a little bit about gear later, but we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit there. Um, cause I love talking about gear, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, half the fun of my Alaska trip was the like six or eight months leading up to it. Just like researching stuff and like spending way too much money on gear, but you have to have the right stuff to go out there. You do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that it's going to make or break a hunt. Um, but it's definitely going to give you a comfort level and, probably can very well allow you to do more yeah you know go farther and and For not sure. hurt so much 
for sure, man. So, all right, so you're you're there in Alaska. Um, you finished your first bear hunt, and you're like, "Wow, I want to." This is awesome. So when yep. did when did you get this crazy idea for this Ram Slam thing, or is that kind of an evolution? Um, I actually bought into it. the The goal was Steve's idea. Okay. And he came up with it after doing, you know, his. Let's see. So he killed a ram, and that's that's an incredible story. You gotta you gotta get him on to hear that one. Okay. When he killed his first ram and just totally changed the direction of his hunting pursuit life. Um, but he had he had gone into the White Mountains and had this really difficult lot of mileage hunt and got a ram. And when he healed up from that trip, uh, <laughs> he started thinking about what you know what can he do to separate himself from every other sheep hunter out there and just reading some stuff that an old biologist wayne heimer had been writing um in the seven mountain ranges and um decided man i've i've arguably got the hardest one done why not walk into every mountain range and mm. give this a whirl so i think that was the same year he and i did the bear hunt together okay and then and then i went on my first sheep hunt the following year and brought my brother up from nebraska and you know here's just two guys that have like never seen sheep before yeah. and never seen rams and we're just going for it and steve and i still had a friendship at that point where he kind of threw a deck of cards at me and was like don't go where you're going for the you know the sheep hunt plans you have you need to go where i went last year and um part of it i think he was setting me up to see what kind of metal i had in me <laughs> what range was that it was the white mountains and it okay. was you know he, he was like 33 miles in there when he killed his ram wow and so yeah my brother and i went for it we stomped over 30 miles to get in there and wow first day find this group of rams and hunt them in every way you're not supposed to i mean we bailed off the mountain and stalked them from below and but hold on you're, I mean, you're just... glossing over some crazy stuff like okay this yeah is, this is the story correct me if i'm wrong where like you guys parked and you couldn't even see the mountains you were going to and it was like a three-day walk or something that's it man all right it's so like... start tell me all that <laughs> yeah no it's it's a you, it's one of those like the map says the mountains are out there and you can't see them and you're just gonna you're gonna go for it and somebody said there's sheep in there so let's go find them yeah um how many days were you guys prepared to be back there 10 days okay yep that's pretty standard it's just oh we always plan for 10 days might be a couple more you know yeah. depending on drive time and whatnot so i don't want to blow up your spot or anything but as i'm really much, good at not sharing that <laughs> <laughs> as much detail as you're comfortable with sharing where did you guys yeah. start uh on the road <laughs> <laughs> okay on the road yeah so yeah just parked on the shoulder of the road and took off i mean it was cross country and using a map and a compass like you know so i'd done 
I'd done that bear hunt and I had done a caribou hunt the year before. And, but I was, I mean, I was still new yeah. to the back country and, and, um, and Steve wasn't yeah, with you, right? Nope. No. So it was me, you know, two hunts under my belt in the back country of Alaska and my brother who's never seen Alaska. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, we, we just went for it. And I'm, I remember getting up on one Ridge and we're like looking at the map and I'm, you know, we're thinking we got to take, follow this drainage that way. And then we put the compass on the map and actually oriented the map to the country. And we're like, whoa, we're supposed to go that way. You know, and it was just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were, we were so new and so green and, and so undeserving. Yeah. But, do, you, um, do you remember what it felt like when you're strapping on your pack at the truck and about to go in? Man, I, I still get butterflies as we're driving, you know, yeah, to that trailhead or to wherever we're going to park. Um, so I, you know, the butterfly thing in the gut, uh, that was, that was for sure there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember I think when by we the were... time, go ahead. Yeah. I was, I said, I think by the time we got the pack on and you start hiking, I mean, it's, it's just kind of this we're going to go for it. And mm -hmm. for me, I don't think it set in until I, mean, I don't know how many miles we made that first half a day or evening that we hiked, you know, six miles or something. And, and it's like, man, we're, we're in here, you know, and yeah, but we're not, we're clearly not far enough, but yeah, no, yeah. I remember when we were, um, you know, we're non-residents. So we're, bombing down the road in a u-haul van we rented <laughs> and like sweet yeah that was the most affordable option and we were going into a controlled use area you know no atvs were allowed in there and um but yeah i remember that like almost like in high school and you're about to like go into like a sports game or something that kind of like a little bit yeah. of fear a little bit of nervous like okay it's about this is about to get real like i've been planning this for months and we're about to get head in here and then and then, yeah, realizing, like you said, when you're back there, like seven miles or something, you're like, okay, we're back here. And like the only way out is to walk like there's no right. other way out <laughs> unless you want to yeah. like, you know, hit the $30,000 SOS button. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's crazy, man. So how long was that walk in to that trip? We were and it, I think we were just into the mountains at like. 25 27 miles or something and how many how and long did that take i think we camped twice getting in there okay so three days -ish. Maybe, yeah it might have been i think we did a lot of it the it was yeah somewhere around then i don't, I don't remember for sure yeah. i don't remember if it was our second night at the base of the mountains or if there was one in between Cool. But so I think there was in between. So yeah, our three nights, wow. third night we were there. That's gnarly, man. Um, so, so then you get on X wherever you want to be. And then what happens from there? Then we just started climbing the mountains and yeah, I'll never, never forget. We got up on, on top of this Ridge and 
could see, you know, as I'm look glassing around, I saw a bunch of just half curl rams on the far ridge and like, Hey, there's sheep over there. Let's go that way, you know, and hiked over to towards where we'd seen them at. And once we got onto that high point there, we could look, you know, kind of down this Valley. And that's when we saw the big rams and nice. Um, yeah. I mean, then, you know, we're above them and they're, down they have coming down below feeding like six eight hundred yards right below us and we just have no idea how to make this work and we'd heard the you know advice you never stalk sheep from below that's where they're always looking mm -hmm. you know as we're looking at the terrain and just how you know barren a mountain of rock is like how can we sneak down on them and so we decided we'd take this little finger cut down around the side and sneak up from below them, which I, like I said, we were so undeserving <laughs> and, but we had, we had the one picked out that was like, okay, that's the biggest of, I think there were three legal Rams there and came up over kind of the top. And as we're sneaking up the top, you know, kind of this big going up into a bowl, we see a set of horns come running at us. And so we ducked behind this big boulder that was laying there and kind of played hide and seek with this little ram for a while. And then it took around and turned around and left. And so we hustled up to the top and all these rams were like, they're clearing out of there. And, you know, they heard us or smelled us. I don't know, but uh, they were 260 yards or something. So we laid down, knew it had some, dirt markings or you know something to distinguish that big ram from the other ones and mm. shot him and man i remember you know he, he went down the other rams just kind of hung around and that's that's something that's unique to rams is you know when you walk up and it's like they're not ready to leave their buddy yet mm. and you know so you you walk up to your dead ram and his buddies are standing there like 70 yards away. Oh, really? And they're like, come on, let's go. It's time to run, you know, and, <laughs> but they're leaders, you know, behind. So interesting. Whether, you know, whether it's a, a respect for their leader or, you know, a, a shared companionship that sheep have, um, it's, it's pretty neat to see. Yeah. But, uh, such a cool, animal. yeah, I remember, I remember walking up to him and, you know, we have some pretty cut and dry, what is a legal ram in Alaska? Right. And I mean, ev every first time sheep hunter is like so nervous about that and yeah. rightfully so, you know, it's, you should be. Yeah. Um, but I remember walking up to this thing and just being like, oh man, you know, God, please help him be legal. I don't want to get in trouble. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, we knew he was when we shot him, but it, you still was, have that fear was, though still have that fear and and it was it you know i had no idea what i'd shot it was one of those crazy stories of a first-time hunter getting something they don't deserve and <laughs> you know he's he's still the biggest ram we've ever shot oh really yeah he's you know everybody wants to get a 40 inch ram and i i think it was took him back and showed it to my at the time my future father-in-law and he's like 
he pulled out the tape measure. I don't think I'd even done that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was over 40 inches and oh man, just, just a great big old Ram. Dang. Did you get, did they age him or approximately? Yeah. 10 years old. Wow. So right, right in there of nice, nice older one. Yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that cannot be too rare of an occurrence. I mean, too common of an occurrence for two like Midwestern guys, very right. green to just walk in and just bust a Ram on the first trip. But hey, you put that you put that work in, you know. Put the work in, and you know we stuck out a snowstorm in the the middle there, and yeah, just I don't know. Sometimes I think, well, we we're just too dumb to not know any better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I one of the best parts of that story though was getting out, and so. I think we hiked out down to this Creek and set up camp the, the next day and cooked a bunch of meat and rested up for a day. And then, you know, we had all this extra food in the backpack. Well, one, like packing this Ram now is like the hardest thing I've ever done. I remember climbing up out of that, that Valley he was in and over this mountain and just like, this is ridiculous. You know, yeah. just how heavy this pack is and, climbing up this mountain with it and you know i over the years it's it's funny as i've gotten older pulling those packs has gotten easier oh really i think a lot of that's just a testament to your your mindset and um having done it before and yeah but uh but yeah after we after we camped out and ate as much cheap meat as we can over a campfire we took off and had, like I said, had all this extra food in the pack because we're not going to be out here this whole time. Right. So we're like two guys in our early 20s, and we were just like shoveling all the food down <laughs> we want. You know, there's no sense of rationing for yeah. days now. It's just like we are just Feasting. pounding, you know, multiple days worth of trail mix <laughs> and just slamming jerky. And and we, we started hiking out of there. Um you know, the hunt part was over, so now we got to get back. And we ended up doing like 23 miles that day. Ooh. It was, like, I, I still look back on it. Like, the one thing I regret is, like, I wish I had taken some time to slow down, just enjoy it. But right. we were having fun. I mean, they're just, like I said, we were crushing the food and crushing the miles and nice. just went for it. But, we, uh, we had one last mountain, to, or not a mountain, but we had this large hill to climb <laughs> over to get out. And we hit like a false summit at like one in the morning, Ooh. trying to finish up. And we hit that false summit and we saw more mountain ahead of us. And we we're just like, forget this. We just pulled our sleeping bags out, didn't even unload our backpacks and yeah. just I would, I like to say we passed out, but man, my legs were tired for a while. Uh, yeah. And 23 was, miles will do it. Yeah. It was, it was painful laying there a little bit till we did fall asleep. Yeah. I bet, man. That's awesome. So then the next day you're just, you were able to get to your truck the next day or. Yeah. The next day it was just finish it out. and. That's awesome, yeah. man. Um, and is that when you kind of, well, what did, what did, uh, what did your buddy, uh, Steve say when, when you got back with that Ram? Uh, he, it, it, 
<laughs> I guess maybe he knew we were going to go in there. The funny thing is he'd seen this Ram the year before, uh-huh. you know, and, and early on didn't, you know, I don't, none of us could tell what's a big Ram from a little Ram very well. Or yeah, as far as full curls go. Right. Um, so he, he'd actually seen it, but shot a different legal Ram that was closer the year before and told me about it. And that's the one I ended up getting. So it was, it was pretty rewarding for him you know to to send me in there and and then that's then i got the invite to go with him to the brooks range the next year okay cool and that was the trip that really like solidified our friendship and you know from him who had this mindset of man there's there's nobody that's going to keep up with me Mm -hmm. um i'm just going to be a solo sheep hunter because i don't want my trip to be shortened at all by, you know, a partner that's not going to want to go as hard or far or long or as miserable as I want to be. Mm -hmm. And when we did the Brooks range together that first year, we only got one Ram, but totally solidified our friendship. And, and then that, you know, he shared a lot about this seven mountain ranges goal with me. And on that, you know, now, yeah, after the Brooks range, I'm like, I've got two two ranges done and he's got two ranges done. Like, let's finish this out together. Let's let's join forces and that's awesome, man. And go and conquer. And that's and, that's a, such a rare thing. You know, a lot of guys, you know, it's hard to even find a best friend, but to find a a best friend that, like you said, you know, has the same similar mindset is willing to, you know, take 10 days off of work to like basically torture yourself. <laughs> right. And like, you know, like finding those people is hard. I remember I was talking to my buddy that invited me to Alaska and I was like, why, you know, why'd you send me that message? He was like, dude, I sent that message to like 30 people. You were just the only one that, was, <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> wow. So, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's such a unique thing. And, um, just like, I guess if you can just talk about for a second, the importance of like, having that right partner or finding him. Yeah. No, I mean, I've done my solo sheep hunts, um, solo hunts for different animals and, and it's, it's, it's its own special thing, but I would much rather be out there with somebody else. Yeah. Um, especially somebody like-minded and, and is wanting to pursue, that adventure the way I want to, um, there's, it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. And then finding, you know, a hunting partner like Steve, you know, somebody that shares commonality of faith mm-hmm. and the love for the backcountry, And, um, we, we joke like we're twins separated at birth, you know, and, <laughs> but, uh, that's cool. Y'all still yeah, hunt together. We do, you know, it's, it's an annual, annual okay. thing. So he lives, he lives in Southeast Alaska now in the town of Sitka. Okay. So, I mean, when he, when he lived here in Anchorage, I mean, we were, we were all over the state together Yeah. all the time. Um, but now usually it's just a sheep hunt per year. So, okay. So sometimes a deer hunt. Okay. Sweet. Um, Tell me, I mean, there's, I would love to hear every single story, but unfortunately we just don't have time, right. but I wanted to hear the first, your first Ram. And I want to hear 
your toughest ram? Yeah. So the toughest ram um, was that one you heard on that podcast that I went into detail with with Abe and. I don't, and I tried to go back and listen to it, but like I said, I couldn't. So, just tell me the All story right. again, man. So, it was this was going to be the hunt for my seventh mountain range, the last um, one, the last one. And I'd scouted this place, found out our access for it. Um, Can you tell us what the range was? This was going to be the Chugach Mountains. Okay. Oh, yep. is this the one that was a draw? You had to get drawn for it. No, there's still some general harvest okay. for the Chugach. Um, and we were, we were doing one of those. So okay. no luck in the draw system. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it scouted it out, had our, our route getting in there. Um, and then when we went for it, you know, it was one of those typical, like 10 minutes from the truck, it starts raining and you're just like, here we go again, you know, hunting in Alaska and, um, yeah, just fighting up a Creek and climbing out of a Canyon through wet brush and the downpour cold rain. And by the time we got up above tree line out was spitting snow and just that, I don't think there's anything worse to take it out of you is climbing through brush and alders oh, in the alders, pouring man. rain and then having it start freezing and basically snowing on you and i mean the the mental fortitude it takes to push through that um i, I think that's what separates a lot of successful hunters from unsuccessful hunters mm -hmm. but uh the first mountain pass we went through we were stomping through like a foot and a half of snow and just thinking holy smokes like this is nothing we've experienced before this level of of snowfall on a sheep hunt and this in I august or no we we're going september okay um and i told steve from my scouting trip in there that like this is this country is is big and it's intimidating and like you're you're not gonna understand what i'm saying until we get back in there and he couldn't see it all as, you know, we pushed through uh, that first day because the clouds were up in there and we hiked over this high glacier and which was wild because there's like this wrecked plane on it. Oh, wow. You know, that's scary. It, yeah. It'd been there, you know, for years. It was, you know, right. people had salvaged what they could out of it, but it's still just kind, kind of, of ominous. Yeah, definitely. I mean, here we're kind of mentally beat down from <laughs> our enduring the weather and, and difficult terrain to start. Um, and then, yeah, you like, what happened to these people? And was there death here on this mountain? Yeah. And, you know, you're just, yeah, mental, mental game stuff. Sure. Um, but yeah, pushed through the snow, dropped back into this valley and got back down into the rain and wetness and set up our camp. And it's just, miserable and but man it's amazing how you know this sheet of nylon on some aluminum poles and a dry t-shirt is a world changer yeah. out there um so we we did that hot mountain house for supper and i think we spent the whole next day just sleeping it off you know as this storm raged on and um 
then the then it blew out and the next day it was clear and cold and steve got to see these mountains you know we're back in them and he's like man you were right this is this is intimidating stuff how far back were you guys at that point roughly eight to ten miles or so right which um, is a lot in that country absolutely yep and then from there i mean it's it's the way we sheep hunt you know it's climb up to this peak or climb up to that pass um look around we were seeing a few sheep but not much and a few rams here and there nothing legal and i think we did like three big climbs that day and we're seeing a lot of country, you know, when we get to those points and then go, go to another one. And it just wasn't turning up what we were hoping to see. So it's like, all right, let's, let's go further. And we strapped the packs on and commenced what Steve called the Scott Luber death March. <laughs> and I just led him off on this long side of the mountain trek. I mean, we must have done close to 10 miles again and, you know, really, really got back in there to some other places that were kind of like our plan B. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then, then we started seeing some Rams or more Rams and it was really promising, but, but yeah, that's always been something with Steve and I, like as far as a good hunting partner on the the long straight poles or, you know, when we're really kicking into a cruising gear, that's, that's when I would lead out. And he was always the stronger climber. So he'd lead, lead on the climbs and we just constantly push each other out there with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we camped the night and then the next day we found this legal Ram that we're going to go after. Mm-hmm and spent the next day trying to figure out how to get up to where he was. And it was, you know, tried a couple of approaches and they, they weren't going to work. So, so we wait, not wasted a day, but we spent a day trying to figure it out. The next day got up early and started climbing in the dark. And as, as we got higher up the mountain and it got lighter, the weather started to deteriorate. <laughs> and it was it was one of these like we're climbing up the sides of glaciers and like pretty much going through tunnels where you've got cornices of ice and snow hanging over you and you're picking your way along the side of the mountain between wow. rock and ice and mm. um getting to some scary spots where we had to cross the ice field on a couple of sketchy steps that almost was too much for me to handle <laughs> um just as far as my comfort level. Yeah. And, but, you know, trusted Steve, he's done a, he's had a lot more legit mountaineering experience than I have. And, you know, looking at his tiny little boot, the, you know, the side of his soul digging into that ice and that held him like, I can take that step. It's going <laughs> to hold me. And, yeah. you know, just kind of some faith there and, um, overcoming that fear, you know, stepped across and, our reward was four days in a blizzard up on this Ooh. mountain. And just, I, you know, that would, those four days were like the worst we've ever experienced. Second worst. 
because we get to the worst later. But uh, <laughs> so you're just socked into your tent, just can't leave. Totally, the tent. totally socked in. I mean, it would snow a foot, and then rain and melt all that off, and then snow another foot, mm. and just. Are you guys the in the wind. same tent, or do you have individual tents? We're in the same tent. Okay. It was, uh, you know, three man dome tent. Yeah. And just. That's still super depressing. Like when that's when to me, like the negative thoughts would creep in the most. It's because like, you know, when you're out there, you're hunting, you're active, but like when you're just stuck in your tent, that's when you start being like, man, like I miss my kids. Like I could be home right now. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah, no, we went through like the whole mental gamut of, of uh all of that you know missing missing the family and what are we doing out here and this is ridiculous to you know these are days like six through nine of a 10-day hunt Mm. you know and these are you know so in our mind it's like this doesn't clear up we're we just got to hike out like we're gonna run out of time we're gonna run out of food and um did you find that you're that you're so for me I carried a little tiny Bible with me back there and that was like a game changer for me, man. Like just when I was feeling a little down, did you, did you guys find that like your faith was kind of like that extra, almost like ace in the hole when you were getting down? Yes and no. Um, I mean, there was, there was more the like, you know, kind of, I guess conversation with God, you know, that I was having was, man, you know, we're here, the Rams here, like, come on, you know, we, we did all this work and, and we're just gonna have to come do this again next year, you know, and, and yeah. just kind of pouring it out of oh, yeah. my disappointment and my frustration and for sure. But, you know, every time coming back around to this in itself, this has been a great adventure and we've seen some beautiful things and a gorgeous grizzly bear and we've seen rams and we've been close and mm-hmm. you're not guaranteed success out here you know right and um but but there was you know that that missing the family that was the mad at god if you want to call it yeah. that uh, mad at the weather and and but then you know just coming full circle on and i'm i'm out here with a good buddy and I'm well rested because we can't hardly sleep anymore because we've been sleeping all the time. Yeah. No, you, but you, there was, there was never a, I mean, I, I think you sent me one of those questions of like, when was the time you wanted to give up? And Steve and I were talking about this last night and just like, I don't, I don't know that we have that give up in us. Yeah. You know, as we've, shared our story and i mean we've everybody's heard the stories of people that the weather turned bad and they endured it for a day and then they went home or Mm -hmm. they never got through the alders it was just too much and so they went back and those are those are somebody's experience you know not not to take away from that but you just decided in your mind before like we're not quitting and Absolutely. Actually, yeah, I actually heard a podcast the other day. Someone was saying that um, suffering is temporary, but quitting lasts forever. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So you guys just push through. And that's the other thing about, you know, having a partner, man, like 
um, just having some there to encourage you and stuff like that. But, um, so anyway, so you got, you guys made it through those four hellish days stuck in your tent. Yep. So day four, it's cleared up and we emerge, you know, and there's snow everywhere and we pack it up and head off to where this ram had been. And all we find of him is like, this is where he lived through the storm. You know, it was, it was obvious he was around, he had been around, but he's gone. And is this your last day to hunt. Yeah. So this is day nine. You okay. know, we're, this is a 10 day plan hunt. Okay. Um, so we, we had been like splitting a mountain house for supper and splitting a day's worth of food rations just wow. to, you know, maybe we can extend this if we need to. And, um, so now we're like, okay, we've got a day and a half, you know, maybe two days of we've got to find a ram. And now we're like starting over. And so in, in my mind, I'm just like, man, we've got to like, we've got to get around the backside of this mountain and look over this drainage and then hustle over there and check that one out. And I'm just constantly thinking of like, we got to cover ground. How are we going to do it most efficiently? And we're still, Steve and I are both split up, just kind of working this mountain, trying to see if this rams you know, on any of these benches that are up there. And, and the whole time we're doing this, I just hear God saying, sit and wait, sit and wait. And I'm like, no way. Like that's the exact opposite <laughs> of what we have to do. Yeah. And I just keep hearing that sit and wait, sit and wait. So finally, when Steve and I meet up, um, you know, he's had the same thing of like, we're just going to have to cruise. And I'm like, I don't even want to say it, but here's, here's what I'm hearing. God's saying, sit and wait. And he's like, all right, that's what we're going to do then. So we park it, we pull out our snacks and, you know, like a good hunter out with the snacks, out with the binoculars and mm -hmm. you're glassing and looking while you're eating and not 15 minutes later, man, Steve sees this ram across oh, the man. valley and it's this great big full curl and like what a confirmation like yeah we just endured all of that getting in here you know in this this crazy set of mountains that we're hunting and we endured this storm and then you know as like we don't know if anything's going to happen i hear god and we listen That's and awesome. like there's the ram in the brush like this <laughs> gift it's like we just have to go get him you know yeah and long story short we blow the stock like we <laughs> we put oh it's like thinking on it oh my goodness we've we've never blown a stock on a ram like it has been our game of once you find that legal ram i mean it's it's a game of patience and we we got 400 and some yards from him and it was like if he gets to the shelf i'm gonna shoot and he kind of looked like maybe he was going back a different direction um and we just kind of got impatient and you know some of the thought was you know this is day nine and we don't want to it's getting late in the day we don't have to want to relocate this ram tomorrow let's try and push it and when we 
pushed a little closer. He ended up coming right to that spot where if we'd have waited, we'd have had that shot. Mm. And he busted out of there. And it was like the walk of shame to the top of the mountain to go camp for the night. And it, that was, so yeah, that's right. It was like, that's the worst, the lowest part that of was our the lowest. Sheep hunting career was, you know, my, my response was I'm climbing this mountain as fast as I can. And I just left Steve with his thoughts. I mean, that was, it was basically what we unspoken. That was what we both wanted was just, We'd never dealt with this. Now we have to deal with our failure. Yeah. And mine was crush this climb and get up there and set up the tent. Steve's was plod along and, you know, we're both doing the the mental what ifs and coulda, woulda, shoulda. And that pretty much went on all night. We didn't sleep very well and got up the next day. And it was just this reminder of, and the, the sun still rose. Life mm-hmm. is still going on. And we get to come do this next year. You know, it's going to be 20 something miles hiking out of here. But these rams will be here. The season's going to end and we'll come hunt them next year. Yeah. So day 10, we start hiking out. And, you know, in our minds, the hunt's over and we get a couple of miles down the, you know, the mountain ridge we're hiking on and we look down and there's this another group of Rams and there's a couple legal ones in there. We're just like, we got one crack at this. Like this is, it either happens today or it doesn't. And we just dogged those Rams very patiently and worked them back up as, you know, they went back up to where they were going to bed. We followed them up in there and um, ended up getting in a position where I could take a shot on the the one legal ram that stuck around. The other one left. And late that evening, I shot my seventh mountain range ram. Oh, man. And we went. It's still my favorite story. Like we went from the lowest of lows back to like, I just completed this incredible journey and this yeah all these years of hard effort there's there's been a lot of um successful killings of animals where i get pretty pumped up Mm -hmm. and there's some hooting and hollering and booyahs on the mountainside and (laughs) i get pretty pretty uh yeah excited in the moment yeah and this one was so different i mean it was very contemplative and mm. just different emotions of yeah the re the realization of something grand accomplished yeah man and that was a good moment yeah and the so. the realization of all the dreams and plans and like this like you said this long journey i yeah. remember, i can remember times in my life where i've had like not not like this much or long of an accomplishment, but like something I've been working towards for a year or two or whatever. And like at the end, it is very much like, wow, because it's almost like that preparation and that anticipation and that that goal becomes like your friend that's always there. It's there when you wake up. Yeah. It's there when you go to bed. It's like always there in the back of your mind. It's like you still have this thing you're shooting for and then you complete it. And it's like, wow, what what's next? You know? 
Right. But that's no, so, it was that uh, sorry to cut a, you off, man. Go ahead. No. It was it was a great, great goal. The end of the trip was I mean, it was still two days now getting out of there. Yeah. And so still was, some work. It was. It was a lot of work and it was it was the like if if we did not made it to the truck that twelfth day, you know, the wife was gonna call for support. Oh, really? <laughs> so she was I mean this we didn't have any kind of satellite communication. Really? We had we had our emergency emergency button. Okay, yeah. Um but uh but no, yeah, we were no sending overdue. messages home. Nothing like that. Yeah. No, we have that now. Yeah. But uh at that at that point, no. Man. So it was it was some cause for worry, but that's gnarly, man. And like it's it's so cool too that like you, you like you said this is like a tangible time where it's like your relationship with God actually like really like came out with like tangible success. Like you heard God speaking to you and yeah. you listened, which is not an easy thing to do. And you hear that really small whisper kind of in your spirit, in the back of your head, or your gut or whatever it is. And um, it's so easy to ignore that and say, no, I want to go on my own strength and like my own understanding and go out there and charge right. it and try to get this thing done. But to actually say, okay, and sort of like let go and let God, you know, excuse the cliche. But it was almost like this whole trip, God was showing you like, rely on me, you know? Absolutely. No. And this, I mean, the really the second part of this story is coming back home and, you know, starting a new business with a couple guys and then that not turning into a good partnership and getting out of that partnership and now you know i've got i think at that time four kids at home mm. and you know I've, I've got some money in the bank from this buyout but it's like what's what's next what where's my career path going to be what am i going to do for a job and um and just having all these these questions and i mean clear again clear as clear as day i remember sitting by my wood stove, you know, early in the morning, reading my Bible and just talking all this over with God and sharing my thoughts. And, and, uh, I remember, you know, that, that one morning he, he reminded me of the sheep hunt, this one that I just told you about. Yeah. And he's like, Scott, you had to endure that sheep hunt so that you'll trust me and follow me for what's next. Wow. And, when he said that, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. And yeah. just, you know, it went forward from then with my head on a swivel of like, God has something ready for me. And that's awesome. That, that was, the hunt was 2014. So that was spring of 15. And geez, that's like five. Six, that's six years later now and it absolutely proved true i mean that's amazing where where god took me and set me up and what i'm doing now it's it's going you know going to work every day is a constant reminder of that hunt and his goodness and faithfulness and yeah and we trust in him man he'll take you places you never dream of absolutely amen dude like yeah when you're tapped into that and you can actually 
learn those lessons and see how God used this. I mean, most guys, it's just like, oh, it's a cool story. But like, it's a cool story. But also, like, since you're yep. tapped into into God and listening to His voice, like, it became a life changing like experience that um, you know had ripple effects into your everyday life and and taught you something about life and about yourself and about God. You know, absolutely. No, it's it's so great and. You know, you, you, you think of like, you know, for me, I don't know. I, I'm totally in the camp that like, there's just flat out something special about creation and the mountains, especially. I'm, I love the mountains, but just, you know, so much of it is getting away from what we, we always talk about getting, going away from the camp, camp of the familiar mm. and getting away from what's comfortable, getting away from what you're used to going to a place that requires everything of you and, and more than what you can give. And in that finding God in a special way, you know, there's always, there's always something next in life, right? There's Mm -hmm. always a challenge. There's always a purpose. And, you know, Jesus set the example for us before he started his ministry he went into the wilderness for 40 days. Yeah, that's right. You know? yeah. And God uses wilderness to prepare us for what's next. Yeah. And even yeah. says in one of the gospels um, that the wild animals ministered to him. He was with the wild animals. Oh, yeah. And the angels and, ministered yeah. to him. Yeah. So you, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think, man, he, he was out there hunting. And yeah. it was a 40-day safari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, had, a, had like a oodad in his backpack or something. Man. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, what a great story and that you're able to like draw and light, you know, listen to God's voice and, and gain something like so tangible from that. And I was thinking about yeah. too, like what someone you said in there reminded me of when um, Isaac and Abraham go up the mountain for the sacrifice and they don't have a yeah. ram and they see the ram in the thicket that God like provided for them. Right. I don't know why my mind went to that when you're talking about you know, sit and you saw the ram. Yeah. And no, I think I made the comment of the, the ram in the brush. Is yeah. That's, yeah. That's why it sparked yeah. that in my head. That's awesome, dude. Um, well, you kind of went there, which is where I was going to go next. Um, well, well, I mean, we kind of already went there, but I, I'll just ask the question anyway. So how do you think hunting makes you a better believer and then on vice versa of that, like, how does make, being a believer make you, how does making, how does being a hunter make you a better believer? And how does being a believer make you a better hunter? Man, there's, I mean, I, like I said before, of, you know, I, I don't know if I said it here, but my faith is such an integral part of my life that there's no, there's no separating it. So when I, when I go on a, a hunt, I'm going to church, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going there to, to, uh, walk with God and to worship him and be in awe and see the story that, I mean, that, that's how we look at all of these hunts is like, there's, we're, we're putting on the pack and the boots and we're walking away from the truck and we're walking away from, from what's familiar 
and God's going to write the story out there. Yeah, we man. just, I mean, he's, he's got this story for us and we just got to trust him and walk in it. And I mean, that's, sounds like I'm talking about life. Sounds like I'm talking about a hunt. I'm talking about them both. I mean, it's, yeah, they go hand in hand. So um, true, man. It, you know, the worship out there, I'm, I'm not somebody that sings. I don't do music. I mean, it's, it's not a part of me. That's, that's a hard part of, of a church setting for my mind. Yeah. Um, but that's, some people are wired that way. I'm not, or I haven't fully embraced it. I don't know. It's not my thing, but to go, to go out and see what we can see out there. Um, that's your worship. That's my worship, man. You know, where, where David talks in the Psalms about my whole being will worship you. Like that's the only place I've felt that. That's amazing, man. And I like to joke, like there's a reason why sheep's horns and animals antlers reach towards the heavens. <laughs> yeah. They're worshiping too. Yeah, man. Just lifting them up. There you go. Um though why do you why do you think it's important for for guys like us or hunters or guys with big goals? to stay connected to God? Well, if, if you're not staying connected with God, I mean, there's, what's, what's the hope, you know, and yeah. to live without hope is no way to live. So, um, you know, just for guys recognizing that, you know, life's bigger than what we can do and handle and be in control of. Um, it's, it's a different mindset to go through life. So. Yeah, man, for sure. Got, got to stay connected. Got to have, um, some friends, you know, whether it's a hunting partner or just buddies that are going to encourage you in that, um, family that does. So it's, we all need that. Yeah, we all man. need that encouragement. For sure, man. Hi, are you doing okay on time? Yeah, man. Let's keep rolling. All right, sweet. Um, so you kind of went into it a little bit. Um, I want to touch on um, because, you know, just like physical fitness, which I do want to ask you about, uh, spiritual fitness, it takes consistency and working on it every day. And, I, you know, you've said, like, it's such an integral part of your life. So, um first I want to ask like what is your like spiritual fitness program or yeah. thing like so I think the most important things are talking with God and I mean that's that's all day that's an all day approach um, the other is being super intentional with the buddy I have, um, buddies, my wife, um, my dad and brothers of just that idea of iron sharpening iron mm -hmm. and being intentional with having conversations and asking questions that keep pushing us towards living the good life and pursuing God in everything we do and recognizing him in what we do and honoring him 
into everything. Yeah. So those, you know, and then, and then the word of God reading, you know, the Bible, I mean, it's, it's powerful. Do you have like a, a daily routine? Like you said earlier, you're sitting by your wood stove reading. Do you have like any kind of daily kind of routine you do or? I, I don't, I go in, go in flurries on stuff. Um, yeah. Other, other than just, I mean, that's, that's how I go about life is praying and being intentional in those, my relationships. Cool. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, the other side of that too is, you know, we alluded to it a little bit, but just the physical aspect of, of sheep hunting and mountain hunting. Do yeah. you do any kind of physical fitness and what, what does your physical fitness stuff so, look like? Or are you just blessed um, that you don't have to do anything? <laughs> my wife says that. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like the gym. Um, I've got, you know, my favorite things to do are put on the pack, go for a walk. Um, you know, go climb the mountains, yeah. just go for hikes. You know, we do a, do a lot of bike riding in the summer with the kids and I've got kids on my back and I'm towing kids in the chariot behind my bike, you know, so it's, that's, that's my favorite. Yeah. You know, most, most of my training is involving the kids now. So it's, it's not as hardcore, I guess, as, as it used to be. Yeah. Um, but, but even, even back, back when we were, I was hitting it a lot harder. I mean, I, I just spent time in the mountains yeah. and did a ton of hiking, did a ton of climbing up the steep stuff. And, you know, whether that was with a water bottle in the backpack, you know, big water, five gallon water jug that mm -hmm. I'd empty on top or, or just simply hiking, um, I was saying nothing prepares you better for hiking in the mountains than hiking, than hiking in the mountains. Yeah, so. exactly. And that's, yeah, that's so true. I've talked about that before about just doing something as close as possible to what you're going to be doing. And yeah. yeah, if you have access to mountains and can throw on your pack and get out there, that is by far the best. Cause it's really hard in the gym to replicate the, the, the muscles you're using on a heavy pack. Like I live near the ocean and it's flat unless you drive for like yeah. three, four hours. And so, you know, I had to really, I started going to a CrossFit gym and started just nailing it. And, but I was also doing like, you know, I would put my pack on with weight and do box step ups like forever. Right. Or, you know, try to like me and my buddy that I went with, we did a little training trip where we went out to the mountains and camped and used all our gear and tested it all out and did a, you know, heavy hike. Perfect. But, um, yeah. So if you got mountains, that's the way to go. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Got that. It's, you know, looking at my partnership with Steve on this. I mean, he's somebody that he's in either in the gym every day or he's doing like the P90X workouts. Mm. And I can jump on those for like a week, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think the game changer would, for me would be if somebody were on like the similar time and life schedule as I am that we could meet up at a certain time, but yeah. it's just crazy with yeah. kids and, okay, um, yeah. I have to get not up. That, not that, not that that's an excuse. Right. Um, I mean, I, I would argue I live a very active lifestyle. Yeah. And I mean, 
I do everything is like getting ready for sheep hunting. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. So like me, like I'm not naturally trim. Like I have to kind of work at it. So, and plus, you know, we don't have hills around here, but yeah, I'll wake up at like five twenty, five fifteen, and go. And I, it helped me to get into a CrossFit gym because I have the other people, the accountability, you know, the kind of community aspect of it. Um, and then I just get it done before the kids wake up and then take my son to school. But whatever yeah. works for you, you know. It does. Yeah. So Steve, Steve works hard. I remember when we were getting ready for that first sheep hunt together, and we were hiking in the mountains and we'd kind of gone up this valley and then we had this big climb at the end and it was like, I don't know, sometime in the summer, it was like, this was our last training that we were going to do before our sheep hunt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, I was right on his heels as we were doing that climb. And, but by the time we were getting up in there, I was sucking wind and I'm thinking like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, you know, if he just stopped, you know, but I stayed right with him and we, he finally stopped to take a breather. And I remember him turning around and looking at me and I'm like, geez, Scott, I worked all summer long, you know, <laughs> doing this and that and that. And you just show up and keep up with me. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I told him I was sucking wind pretty hard at that moment, <laughs> but yeah. we've, we've always kept up. It's, yeah. That's good, man. You know, um, what get like, just real quick while we're talking about physical stuff, like what kind of physical toll does one of these, like, like that super hard trip you had, like, what's that like the recovery? Like when you get back home, um, man, have you ever had a trip where I, you just got home and you're just like hurting for a while? Oh yeah, no, for sure. You'd get, you'd get the achy legs. And again, that was, that was early on. I think as we've done this, I mean, I've been 16 years, doing sheep hunts mm. and you know early on probably the first three years like anytime i carried a heavy pack you know i'd get the the numb toes you know for like a week or two after Dang. you know getting home and um yeah your legs are sore your hips and your shoulders are sore and there's there's a little bit of that um you know my wife has i think as we're talking i think a lot of her you know, just a healthy diet and some of yeah. the stuff she's done nutrition wise. Um, my recovery is very shortened. Nice. You know, I, I haven't had numb toes since those early years and the nutrition's a big um, deal, man, for sure. It is, you know, we we're talking about this the other night. Like we don't, we don't eat the typical American diet, but yeah, that's good. I, I think it's paying dividends. Yeah, my wife is Middle Eastern, and we eat a lot of home cooked food, and so um, that's yep. that's been good. But and uh, got to give a shout out to my wife too because she let me go, lets me go on all these adventures. She cooks me awesome food, and for Christmas she got me this Kodiak trip, which is like the coolest Christmas ever, which I want to talk about. But I did want to awesome. Yeah, I did really quick want to ask you um about gear a little bit because i know a lot of guys okay. love hearing about gear and especially alaska gear um so i specifically want to hear about like tents and just because yep. i love guns i want to hear about your rifle setup and okay and then just maybe like if there's four or five pieces of like essential you know alaska or even sheep hunting type gear that like guys should look into yeah okay so we always tell folks like 
the three most important things you can spend your money on are your backpack, your boots, and your optics. Um, that's pretty much given, I think, for any yeah. backcountry hunt. Um, so, yeah, a top-notch backpack that's designed for the backcountry hunter. Yeah. You know, I don't know that everybody's going to carry a 120-pound pack out, you know, the average, uh, sheep, what do you have, group going out there, you know, it's two people killing one Ram, mm -hmm. um, to go out and get one by yourself, I think is more rare than it is common. But, uh, but the packs these days are definitely capable of carrying in excess of that. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're going to carry it better than a pack that's designed for just backpacking, you know, something you'd find at REI maybe. Right. So some of the good meat shelf in there. Um, yeah, just, or the, the really sturdy internal frame. I'm, yeah. My personal preference, I'm not a fan of the meat shelf. Okay. I'd rather have everything in, in a bag. And that's the way I'm used to loading a pack. Um, I know there's people that love, love the meat shelf, but we just haven't for, for the way we do it. We haven't seen a need yeah. for that. What size pack um, do you guys take out there with you? So we're running, I think like anywhere from 7,200 to 7,800 cubic a, inches. That's a big, that's a big pack. Cause you're so, going out for 10 days. Yeah. 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 You load up for 10 days with, I mean, the food's the big thing. It's the big weight yeah. items in your bag by the time it's all done. Um, but yeah, you load up and you're like, geez, how am I going to get whatever I kill in here? You know, but you're usually killing them, you know, this last third of the hunt and you're getting right. out. So you've, you've got that room. Um, so backpack and then boots. Um, and there are so many great brands out there that man, just go wherever you can or order a bunch of them in and find out what your feet like. Yeah. You know, my feet love the Loas, you know, I can literally like put a pair on out of the box and let's go. But my, my feet just love them. So that's, that's the brand I roll with. Okay. Um, boots, backpack, and then optics. And which, which Loa boots do you wear right now? I uh, use the, I've got a couple of the GTX extremes. Um, I'm kind of in the market for a new boot myself. So that's what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. And then the lower Tibets, the high Tibets. Okay. So, and then uh, optics was the third one. Go you said. with the best you can afford. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what do you run? Yeah. You know, everybody's budget's different. I've got a, mainly like us okay is are what we're doing nice. so yeah that's awesome and, um, and then after that uh i mean there's there's so many different types of tents out there i think your tent your sleeping bag and trekking poles are going to be my top next oh yeah. three what what, so what trekking kind of tents? poles probably uh for tents Man, we, I think we put the most time in an REI T3 okay. um, when they were kind of a smaller dome style version. 
Um, the, the one we just upgraded to is a mountain hardware ghost sky three. Okay. And it kind of touched all the components we, we were looking for. Do you ever, um, do you ever do hunts where you're running like a one man tent yourself? I have, and I've done anything from like my Kafaru Paratipi, not Paratark, sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's just a A-frame tarp that throws up over your trekking poles. Oh, okay. I've got a full one size tent, uh, one person tent, um, big Agnes copper spur. Oh, that's the one I have. Nice. Yep. So I love that thing, man. Just, yeah, I just bought that last year, and it's it's great. You know, for those late season hunts and when snow's going to be a reality, that's that's been a good one. Yeah, I was really pleased with that tent, man. Um, do you think that would be um, a legit choice for Kodiak? That copper spur. Hmm. <laughs> Kodiak, man, you're. It yes. Just be smart about where you're camping. Okay. Um. So I don't, I don't know what kind of where you're flying in um, and what kind of plane you're flying with. Yeah. I don't, so, I don't know exactly either um, to be honest, but I know we're, it's a pretty a fairly liberal weight allowance and we're flying okay. up into like an Alpine Lake. So, um, you know, we, we've, me and my partner have been, discussing you know do we go with like you know a bigger tent to share and like a stove and all that do we go with our you know one man ultralight tents so i'm not or do we just take like you know two man tent i don't we haven't really fully decided yet so the way we've liked to hunt is take a big comfortable camp yeah and you know for two guys i mean shoot get a four-person tent you know if if you have that available yeah and because the weather there, I mean, it can go sideways with rain and wind and you're going to be stuck in that thing. So yeah, to be able to sit up in there and, and just be a little more comfortable, sure, I think goes a long ways. You could have a week of just perfect yeah. you know, weather and, you, you know, it might be a little excessive, but um, I think that's one of my favorite parts about Kodiak is it's still mountain hunting. It's yeah. still backpack hunting, but you have like that big base camp mm-hmm. and we did it where we had the big camp and then there were four of us that went. And so we had a, a big base camp. We had tons of food, you know, cause nice. that was going to either eat it or you leave it for the bears to eat when you're gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's going to be meat coming home, you know? Yeah. So, well, before uh, we get like too much deeper into the Kodiak sure. thing, because I don't want to go completely off, but that's all good info. I wanted to ask you. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. What were we talking we about? Were oh yeah, gear. gear. Yeah, your. Um, I want to ask you about your gun, your rifle yeah. setup, and then you know you hear all these like. Uh, stories about like sheep hunters that like cut their toothbrushes in half and stuff like Uh saving weight. Like, do you guys do any like extreme weight saving techniques that you you tell us about? You, you do a lot of that initially. Um, 
but then there's things like you get tired of your fingers going in your mouth while you're brushing your teeth and you cut your platypus hose too short. You're tired of like uh. cranking your head back to get a drink, you know? So for us, like the evolution of ourselves as sheep hunters, it was like, we started out doing all of that stuff where it was, it was minimalist. And we were, you know, you talk about that pile of garbage that you cut off of your gear and throw away and, um, and then you're out there and it's like this borderline survival the whole time, you know, yeah. and, and then it's kind of like, well, we're, we're good at that and we've made that work, but it's also not going to kill us to carry a pound or two more. Right. But I don't, I don't think you can get to there where, okay, I can carry a pound or two more unless you've done the other end of it, because that's the great sin of getting ready for a backpacking trip is, Oh, I can bring this and I can bring that. Mm -hmm. My pack has room for this. And before you know it, you know, you're not going to want to hike anywhere because your pack's too heavy. Yeah. But, um, you know, going from where we just both used to run around with the tarps to a three person tent, you yeah. know, something that's going to withstand the weather. We don't, we don't have to get up in the middle of the night and turn our deal around our tent around because the wind switched and now it's blowing rain in our faces. Yeah. We sleep in and, a little more comfort and give you some more longevity back there too. Yeah. So, so we, we kind of evolved through that. Okay. Um, uh, my right, yeah. my rifle, uh, I started hunting up here with my 30 out six that I'd brought up for Nebraska and it was a synthetic stock blue barrel. Um, and I think I did like two sheep hunts with it and it was getting beat up and I'm still traveling to Nebraska every year. So it's like, well, how about I just leave this in Nebraska and get, myself an Alaska rifle. Yeah. So I bought a Kimber Montana. Nice. In 300 short Magnum. Loved the 30 caliber, but wanted something a little more zippy mm -hmm. and, but still get that lightweight mountain rifle. Um, and then that was topped with tally rings and a Leopold scope. Nice. So shooting 180 grain Barnes triple shocks and reload for all that. Cool. So is that still your go-to setup? It is that gun. Um, you know, it and my OT six are the two rifles that I've spent the most time behind. And they just both have that feel of like, I can't miss, you know, nice. Just, just firearm familiarity. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Um, what do you shoot? I just, so last year I took my kind of, I grew up bow hunting. And so the yep. county I grew up in, you can't actually rifle hunt. So that's another part of my journey is like becoming a rifle hunter. Like I knew nothing about rifles at all. And so I got kind of a, still a good gun, but um, a starter, you know, I bought like a Howa 1500, which is a good gun, but I got it with like, you know, the, the scope package. And it turned, yeah. you know, it turns out like the, the scope was pretty bad and the rings were really cheap and, um, ended up upgrading that stuff a little bit. But anyway, the, I went to Alaska, that was a 30 out six, same deal. Um, but with the rifle itself, with the scope and everything it was like coming in around 10 pounds, just pretty <laughs> heavy gun. Yeah. And, um, not knocking the how I think it's still a good rifle. Um, but I decided like this year I'm going to you know, since I, this is something that I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. Like I'm, like you said, I need like a, a legit, like backcountry rig. So I actually invested this year. I got a, um, Weatherby backcountry Mark five. 
And uh, cool. yeah, man, that thing, that thing scoped and everything on it is like six pounds. Perfect. So, and uh, I'm loving it so far. I was able to get it out and take a white tail with it just to, you know, test it out. Um, it is in 6.5 Creedmoor, which I was a little bit eh, about because I like 30 caliber too. But, yeah. um, you know, I did some research and the other thing was, you know, with Weatherby, almost all their guns are in the Weatherby, uh, you know, proprietary rounds. And sure. I wanted something where, you know, if I lose my ammo, I can just go to the store and grab a box, you know, if I have to. Yeah. I want that yeah. ammo availability and plus the Weatherby ammo is pretty pricey. So that's why I ended up going with the Creed more just for ammo availability basically. And I've been, sure. I've been happy with it. I mean, it, you know, I think on deer sized game, it's plenty. And, um, so I, I like the gun a lot. Right on. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I want I do want to ask your advice on Kodiak, um, just a little bit. And, um, are you still good on time and everything? I'm still good. All right, cool. So yeah, Kodiak, the bigger base camp, and then some kind of like we would take a like a five person teepee tent okay. out with us. We basically just hiked out every day, and then would come back to our camp at night. Yeah. Um, Did you do a stove or? We had a propane okay tank stove. Yeah. Cool. And that was awesome for drying out and fired up in the morning or, you know, right in the evening if we needed to. And, um, what's the hunting like out there? Like I've never been to Kodiak. I've never hunted blacktails. So what's just like, I don't know, general tips or just what's it like? Uh, you're, you're going to figure it out. I mean, the, it's just going to be glassing and finding them and then deciding if that buck's one you want to go shoot. Um, you know, where we, we were, we were going after. So I, I got to hunt Kodiak a couple times with my father-in-law and kind of like that started to open my eyes to like trophy hunting mm -hmm. where you're trying to get the bigger, more mature animal. And that idea of like using a spotting scope to nitpick a buck's antlers yeah. and you know, what's his, how's that fork on his G2s and what's his G3s look like. And, um, it was really eye opening, you know, for this kid from Nebraska who grew up, if a buck came out and it wasn't a young one, you know, you shot it yeah. and then you go find out what you got. <laughs> yeah. you know? and it was very enjoyable, but, um, but yeah, there's, it was, it was fun looking for that trophy quality. And, yeah. and it, you know, to, there's typically good numbers of deer on Kodiak where you can, you can do that and you can spend that time glassing and looking over a bunch of country and, yeah. you know, binoculars and then spotting scope and okay, now we're going after yeah. something and then start that stock. Yeah. Those pictures you sent me, those black, those things are monster black tails. Those some of those pictures you sent. I'll post some of those on Instagram. If you guys check it out, but those things look nice, yeah. man. So have you ever, have you ever hunted there in August? We're going the last week no. of August. Yeah. No, I've always done October. Okay. Um, so I'm wondering if they'll be in velvet still or not last week of August. Probably. Yeah. I've heard you mixed. Might get, get a couple starting to come out of it, but yeah. more than likely. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, so 
and like a lot of you know deer if you're in the mountains they're gonna want to be up top so right that's why i'm glad we're like i said we're flying in and gonna be camping in alpine because i've heard of not knocking it but i've heard of the hunts where you're kind of starting off in a boat and like humping it up to the alpine right. every day that sounds kind of awful to me honestly <laughs> like, yep that sounds pretty torturous i know because then you got to come back it's like it cuts your hunting day in half up there yeah it cuts your hunting day in half i mean i know you get a warm bed and like a you know meal but i'd rather sleep in a tent and eat a mountain house and just be up there for six days yeah, or whatever for you know? sure well cool man um man oh i did want to ask you also just like so you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but like, what, what are you doing now or what's next? Or, you know, are you, are you, you're still doing sheep hunts, I guess, but what, what's, and I mean like hunting yeah, wise, but still, also career too. Still doing sheep hunts. Um, once we finished the mountain, the seven mountain ranges, I kind of like took all of those and like divided them up into sub mountain ranges, you know, like North and South Wrangles nice. and East and West Alaska range just to give myself like, I think it was another four or five goals, you know, to go nice. after. Yeah. And I didn't, didn't want to be done with, with the goal hunting right sure. then. And I think like three years ago, wrap that up. Um, so, so I don't have other than going and kind of looking for like maybe a unique characteristic or yeah. but revisiting still just... some, Still just enjoy getting out there after them. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'll, I don't think I'll ever not want to get in the sheep mountains, but you know, some too, just go back and revisit some of these places we've, we've been. And, yeah. um, so that's, that's kind of the plan with sheep hunting. Um, but I think, man, the main goal with me seems to be like my kids yeah. and my my son has shot a caribou this awesome the last two years. He's, he's just eight years old. Oh, wow. So he's, he's on a roll. Nice. And yes, but you know, getting, getting them out there for it. Okay. I think that's, that's the future of, of my hunting. Yeah, man. That's so. awesome. That's yeah. That's a whole nother level of, of just, it's a whole different game, you know? Well, yeah, I think that was pretty much all I wanted to hit on, man. I mean, um, I didn't want to take too much of your time, but is there anything else like you wanted to just say before we go or anything? No, I appreciate it. So if you're, uh, when you come up for your Kodiak hunt, if you're coming into Anchorage, let me know. We could yeah, I'd love to. Grab a coffee or lunch or, or something. Yep. Or if you get laid over or something and need a place to crash, give me a holler. Oh, I appreciate so that, man. If I'm not in the mountains yeah you got an invite <laughs> cool man i appreciate that well like i said we'll be there the last week of august so um, i'll stay in okay. touch um and you know text you and yeah i'd love to maybe just even if it's grab coffee or lunch or just yeah meet up that'd be cool for sure all right man. plan on it all right awesome and then uh yeah maybe I, maybe we can maybe we can hunt together one day you never know that'd be cool man that'd be cool yeah. i'd love to learn from you out there so thank you all right dude well it's great talking to you and stay in touch and uh and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode thanks again for listening to the hunter's quest podcast 
And make sure you stay up to date on social media at The Hunter's Quest on Instagram and The Hunter's Quest Podcast on Facebook. And we'll have all kinds of photos and videos from my day-to-day as well as stuff from the awesome guests we're having on here. As always, I'm more than happy to connect with you guys if you have questions about hunting or spiritual stuff or gear, fitness, whatever. Just drop me a line in my DMs or you can email me at hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button and leave me a rating and a review. That's really helpful. And don't forget to share with your friends. So stay tuned, lots of cool stuff in the works, and I'm really excited to continue this quest together.